0: Brew Strong is brought to you by morebeer.com, where a man can brew like a man.
1: Brewers, it's time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainasheff and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong.
2: Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Back. Hey! Another, another, another. what is it like Fat Albert is sitting over here?
3: Uh, the, the first thing came to mind. Yes, <laughs> Fat Palmer. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll work on a new one for next week.
2: <laughs> oh, it's good. Good to be back in the studio uh, with all my uh, my pals here and. Uh, Another another glorious episode of Bruce Strong uh, Today, we've uh, yes. got me, Jamil Zanishev We've got uh, my good buddy, John Palmer And Hi uh, and we've got uh, Nick uh, Burton joining us again uh, Br- Bruce Lacker Bruce Lacker, <laughs> yeah. the
4: BF Good sir. to see you here, book. G- good to be here, good to hear your voice Good to be here all, all together
2: talking about how to Bruce Strong Oh, and Justin's sitting here too Hi <laughs> Hi it's like a stepchild on this show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, hey, yeah, push the buttons. Uh, <clears throat> anyways, it's good to be back. I, you know, I feel like it's been ages since we've been here in the studio. I, you know, during uh, uh, during whatever break, I think you know. Uh, we well, you had uh, beer week, San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That thrown in there. Yeah, we we, we kicked off the uh, Can You Brew It show. That's right. Which is, Very cool uh, show. Yeah, yeah. The, the Jamel Show became uh, Jamel Show Can You Brew It? And that's the show where we are challenged to clone uh, a beer that the listeners send in. They, they uh, tell us what beer they want us to clone, and we, uh, we uh, do some research. We talk to the brewery. We do whatever we can to get the information on how to brew that beer. We brew it, and then blind tasting in the studio, they get compared side by side, and we see if we, we uh, succeed or not. And uh, the, the the cool thing is, uh, you know, from that, instead of a clone recipe that kind of sort of gets you in the general vicinity, this is, you know, a clone recipe that'll get you there. This will this'll do it for you. So uh, that show airs kind of opposite this one every uh, Monday night, right, yep. Justin? uh, and, uh uh, in between, so you get a you get a brew strong, then you get a can you brew it, then you get a brew strong, then you can you brew it, and uh, good listening. I'm already excited. Uh, Tasty McDole and I have been doing the the shows, and uh, it's 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 a lot of fun. I've been enjoying brewing those as well.
4: Well, not to, not to bash anyone, but pretty much every clone brew book out there sucks. <laughs> so it's good to have a real. Tried into your recipes, and some of these actually are coming—the recipes from the brewers themselves, right? Oh yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. We talked to the, the brewers, and uh, some are more forthcoming than others, right? But uh, we've been we've been lucky. I, you know, you get somebody on the radio, and I think something happens. They they tend to loosen up a little bit more, and uh, you can you know, kind of instead of just. Uh, uh saying uh approximation someone would give you every detail you need to know and uh i think that's one of the beauties of having uh, the Bruin network contact them and justin gets them set up and then they're on the air and they they almost can't say no well the the (laughs) moose drill you
4: did i know you nailed that
2: yeah that that turned out great that was that was our first one it was real successful
3: and you did firestone too right
2: firestone dba but uh uh, you know, that one <clears throat> had to be brewed before we talked to the brewer. And so, uh, you know, the the recipe was like from some old recipe that uh, uh, Mike was working from. And so that one, we kind of came up a little short, but we'll be re-brewing that and revisiting that. We're not going to let a beer go without cloning it. It may take us multiple shots, but we'll get it to where you drink them cool. side by side. And you go, well, I'm not sure which one is uh, double barrel ale. Really? So uh, that's, that's the goal of the show.
4: Well, not to mention, it gets you back in the brew house, too.
2: Yeah, I'm loving it.
4: Brewed by yours truly, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: Not all of them will be, but, uh, you know, I I take on a challenge uh, at least once a month, and a tasty taste on challenge. And uh, we also might have a few other uh, brewers that we trust uh, knock a few of these out. Oh, yeah. For example, uh, Chad, you know, he's he's an excellent brewer, and he's uh, enjoying this really killer IPA now. Man, this is (laughs) great. I wonder if he. uh, have repitched his yeast in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, if you like the the, uh, the programming that you hear, you like the Bruce Strong, you like the Can You Brew It, you, maybe you even like that Sunday show, The Session, which is uh, pretty decent from time to time, I think, uh, you'll want to get yourself over to the Brewing Network store. TheBrewingNetwork.com slash store. Uh, we have signed Brewing Classic Styles available. Uh, they were out, and now uh, they're they're back available in the store. I will be signing them tonight. So uh, go ahead and uh, pick yourself up a copy if you haven't already. It helps uh, uh, keep things going. There's also a... Uh, they're doing these uh, regular monthly uh, raffles. And uh, this month is going to be Whirlpool Chiller. Now I use a no Whirlpool kidding. chiller. I know uh, Nick uses one. Oh, Justin yeah. uses one. I love my Whirlpool chiller, and uh, it's been donated by More Beer, and uh, so a uh, nice commercially made example. You don't have to cobble one together yourself. And if you are a recurring donation signed up for recurring donation, doesn't matter uh, for whatever, whatever amount of you're signed up for two bucks uh, recurring you automatically are entered every month to into the raffle so you got an entry in there they're giving away you know all sorts of great stuff what did, what did they give away last month justin
0: we skipped last month that's the only one we skipped because of sf beer week we had it off oh, that's right. off that's show right. week right. Uh, but what we've done so far we've done a conical conical uh, oh, we did a full keg setup after that. Full keg setup. Every, See, those are great. Yeah, everything but the kegerator we gave for that one. Wow. And one of our uh, uh, Danish listeners won that. So wow. uh, it's so an international some, thing. We'll, we'll ship to you. Some uh, serious shipping charges Yeah, on yeah. But, you know, uh, yeah. just, we have so many listeners all over, we hate to right. exclude. Um, it's worldwide. Yeah. And it's gone well. Yeah. Uh, you know, like you're saying, for a, a fraction of the cost of these items, you get entered right, into the raffle. Right. And if you well, miss out, on, if you don't win, you're supporting the show. So
2: yeah, exactly. And, and if you're if you're not already a recurring donor, um, if you haven't signed up for that on the on the homepage there, uh, you can sign up for just uh, you know five bucks gets you gets you an entry in the in the uh, raffle. So uh, every five bucks you put in, you get an entry. If, if this is uh, you know the item you really like. Especially uh, this one. If somebody not,
4: said I'd take your conical or I'd take your, your whirlpool chiller, I'd
2: give them the conical. The, yeah, uh, yeah, you got to have a whirlpool chiller. Yeah. That, that's a, that's a great device, actually. Um, and, of all the things that were mentioned, I would take that. I'd take the whirlpool chiller first.
0: It's a, that's what I, I thought it would be a, a really cool thing for even if you already have a chiller, uh, a regular immersion chiller. the uh, you don't have to upgrade too much here just to mm-hmm. get this immersion chiller with the Whirlpool. Yeah. Um, and then just to be clear, uh, even though it's $5 if you want to donate uh, just you know, in, as a one-time donator to get into this raffle, every increment of $5 puts your name in the hat. But uh, as Jamil said, if you sign up as a recurring donator, even for as low as $2, mm-hmm. that's our minimum that's recurring donator, you automatically really? get your name in the hat for every donation we do. So it's a discount even for one ticket. If you wanted mm-hmm. to just sign up for the small one, that's fine by us, so... Um,
2: um, and the, the purpose of the whole thing is it helps uh, keep the lights on, keep the uh, the bandwidth uh, uh, humming, so you can download all this stuff and and hear it live. Uh, join the chat, all that stuff, uh, the forums. It's uh, you know it's it's pricey with this this uh, amount of content and uh, listeners. Uh, uh, it gets pricey. Justin's uh, picking up a big tab there. So uh, if you get a chance, uh, pick yourself up a book or a shirt or uh, you know whatever you might might find that fits your fancy in the store. And yep, glasses
3: uh, and the gla- uh, <laughs> guess, glasses
0: are really cool too.
2: Do you have glasses now, Justin? He probably doesn't have glasses right now. I can't no. see
0: anything. <laughs> oh, you, <laughs> you meant glasses to drink out of. Yeah. <laughs> no, we just poured into our hands and
2: uh, <laughs> no <laughs> glasses. Ah, uh, okay. Uh anyways, um but uh, good ways good ways to support the store and uh thanks more beer for, for uh donating all that great gear and uh support them as well. And tonight uh, the, all your support is getting you a show on uh, re-pitching yeast. Uh, I got a, uh, an email in from uh, a guy, uh, uh, C.P. Dorman, out of Massachusetts, and he said, Hi, uh, Mr. Malty, I'd like your input. I just finished an alt. I saved the yeast from the bottom of the carboy. I want to start a new alt. Can I just pour the yeast as is at proper fermentation temperature into the next batch or carboy?
4: That's a good question, I think pretty much every home brewer after after their first batch mm-hmm. wants to know
2: what can I do with the yeast? so what exactly is repitching yeast that's a good question let's Let's start with the basics so repitching yeast uh, when you when you ferment a batch uh, and you you rack that beer out into your bottling bucket or into your keg or or what have you. You may notice at the bottom, there's a lot more yeast than what you started with. You added a certain amount of yeast. Maybe you added a, a vial of White Labs or a pack of uh, uh, Y yeast or maybe even dry yeast. The volume of yeast at the bottom of the at the, the carboy or bucket or conical is much more than what you started with. Well, you could take that yeast and you can reuse it. Uh, there's some kinda specialized rules about reusing that yeast and how you go about reusing it, and that's what we're gonna talk about. And uh uh but you can you can actually make another batch of beer from that yeast and it may even turn out better than the, the first batch.
4: why would you do that? I mean I can go down to my local homebrew shop, pick up a fresh vial of yeast pitch that right in
2: we've already had a show on starters uh mm-hmm. you could mm-hmm. do that why would you repitch your yeast that's an excellent question i'll tell you what why don't we take a short break and when we come back we'll get into all the the, the why's wherefores and how to's back after this <laughs>
5: push the new brewery's looking good thanks finn piece by piece well let's fire up whoa is that a new kettle yeah just got it brand new but paid half price what and that blade scale 40 percent off Uh, the new tap handle five bucks instead of 13 got a new regulator for the brew stand too but five bucks instead of 25 dude where are you stealing all this stuff from where else the more beer deal of the day
1: Announcing the Beer, Beer, and More Beer deal of the day. Every day, a new fantastic deal from big items to small that will blow you away. Boil kennels, carboy carriers, sterile siphon starters, digital timers. Watch morebeer.com every day for a new deal, and you just might find the item you've been waiting for at a price you cannot believe. Hurry, because stock is limited on most items. And that sweet Guinness cap, let me guess. The,
5: the more, more Beer, beer deal, deal of the day. day. Yeah, I knew it. Come on, let's brew something. Find the More Beer Deal of the Day at morebeer.com. Celebrity voices impersonated.
1: The Brewing Network brings together the winner of the Sam Adams Longshot Competition and the most awarded home brewer in history to do battle in the next chapter of the Jamil Show. Can you brew it? Every episode, Jamil Zanishef and Mike McDole lay their reputations on the line to brew your favorite commercial beer and put their results to the test. Perfect match or perfect drain pour. Tune in for the recipes, techniques, and interviews with the pros that answer the question, can you brew it? The Jamil Show, Can You Brew It? airs every other Monday on the Brewing Network. White Labs, your source for Maltose Mowing Monsters, announces the White Labs Platinum lineup for 2009. Looking for out-of-the-ordinary yeast to make the best beer possible? The Platinum strains from White Labs are only available for a limited time and make your homebrew stand out. Through February, find Australian Ale, Essex Ale, and Dusseldorf Alt Yeast. March and April, it's Nottingham Ale, Abbey Four, and Mexican Lager Yeast. And May through June, don't miss Premium Bitter Ale, Bell. Belgian Wit 2, and Belgian Bastogne Ale Yeast. Keep up with all the great yeasts in the White Labs Platinum Program at whitelabs.com, where you can also join the White Labs Customer Club. Brew with the freshest and most unique yeast with the White Labs 2009 Platinum Strains. White Labs. It's all in the vial. Live. Beer Radio. Network.
6: Ta-da. The Brewcasters.
0: If you're just starting, don't be discouraged by all this stuff. Exactly. It's so easy. Just throw it yeah. together. Put yeah, some I sugar can... and some water and some yeast in there. Yeah, yeah. It's beer. <laughs> <laughs> Network.
1: Like the Lance Armstrong of the
2: beer world. Except for that nut thing.
6: This is Bruce
1: strong.
2: Alright, we're back. We're talking about uh repitching yeast. Oh yeah, you repitch your yeast, John.
3: Uh yeah, I do. Um not terribly often these days, but uh I do like to you know, you get the nice solid yeast cake there and seems a shame to throw it out. Not too often. Does that mean you're not brewing? Are you just lazy? Uh not brewing as much as I would like to but i have i have the new uh rim system uh complete. Oh. And i plan to start brewing very soon on that thing. Well, perfect. Perfect. Sweet. Perfect
4: time to repitch. Yeah. So, Jameel, yeah, you, Jameel told us exactly uh how how or I'm, I mean what repitching was, but again,
2: I'm baffled why is any homebrewer going to go to the trouble to do that
0: mm-hmm.
2: when you can just go and buy more yeast. Yeah. Well, a, a, a couple things. Uh, you know, the most obvious uh, that I think people will key on is, well, it's going to be much cheaper for me. I don't have to go buy yeast a second time. I can just reuse that yeast, right? Well,
3: and you may not mean, need to make a starter either. There's that convenience right. factor. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. And the the other thing, though, and you ask any professional brewer, they'll tell you that first pitch off a off a new uh, package of yeast. It, it, it'll it do well, and you'll get good fermentation. But, you know, the second pitch off that yeast is even better, and then the third pitch, really, the yeast kind of seem to hit their stride. You're, you know, you're selecting for yeast that do well in that beer or whatever it is, but that's where the yeast are really humming along, and the beer really seems great. So it sounds like if
4: you're not repitching your yeast, you could be at a disadvantage then, potentially.
2: Right. I, I think the the best beers actually are made from repitched yeast. Well, there you go. One other thing. Yeah, so, uh, and, you know, that that comes with a lot of caveats, you know, as far Mm -hmm. as, you know, health and sanitation and things like that.
4: So, uh, the fellow who wrote in the email there, he obviously had this big slurry, and Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people are just saying, hey, uh, just take that and dump it right into the next batch, right?
2: Yeah, a lot of people say that, that, that that's what they do. They just dump new wort on the yeast cake and... Oh, you know, there you go. It works perfectly. Well, I, I'm uh, not so sure that's a, that's true. Right.
4: It, now, uh, you're done with fermentation, so here we are. I'm done. Uh, you know, I've finished my primary fermentation. Maybe I've done a secondary fermentation. Am I going to be using the yeast off of the primary or the secondary? What do you think?
2: Well, go ahead, John.
3: Yeah, generally off the primary. Uh, if you're harvesting from the secondary... Um, generally that 's a you 've tended to select in the secondary for less flocculently yeast or you 've pitched um, in the secondary with, with added fruit juice or uh, puree or something, so it isn 't exactly your your prime strain at that
2: point right um, well one one problem you can have is if you start selecting for the the less flocculent yeast. Uh, you end up with uh, it becomes powdery it'll stay in suspension it won't clear and that happens very quickly with uh, especially lager strains Uh, and that is the type of beer that people tend to want to do secondaries and then they want to collect this yeast this clean yeast off the bottom and use that and it gets real powdery real quick and won't flocculate, and it also changes attenuation. Those those less flocculent yeasts tend to be more attenuative. They tend to uh, finish out sugars more. So uh, you really want uh, kind of you don't want the the first yeast that drops, and you don't want the last yeast that drops. You want that that section Middle in of the road, yeah. That's why with the conical fermenters, uh, brewers will often drop that first section of yeast, and then they'll use the, the chunk in the middle, and then they'll discard the, the last portion.
4: Okay, so for the the rest of the world that doesn't have conicals, right. and it sounds like you're you're taking it most likely from your primary. I don't. You don't even do a secondary
2: fermentation. Right, right. I'm, this primary, secondary thing drives me nuts. I, you know, you, you, yeah. you put it in the fermenter, you ferment, and then when it all completely drops clear, the beer's done, and then you can you can select your yeast from that. The, uh, you know, for people using buckets or carboys, uh, the, the best way to do this is uh, get yourself, uh, I prefer a sterile container. So what I use is uh, these uh, Nalgene type, they're... Uh, polypropylene or polyethylene, I'm not sure. Uh, You put them in, uh, you get them in liter, two liter, uh, half liter sizes. I put them in a a pressure cooker with a couple drops of water in them and sterilize them 250 degrees, uh, you know, 22 minutes, 23 minutes. So I know they're sterile. Uh, When I rack my beer out of my carboy or bucket or whatever it might be, I'll swirl, I'll, f- I'll swirl the the carboy around to break up the yeast cake on the bottom. I leave like a, you know, a half inch of beer in there. Swirl it real good, break everything up, and then I will, uh, you know, flame the opening on the carboy, and then uh, pour that into the sterile container, and then uh, I put it in the fridge, and that's that's all I do with it. You put
4: it in the fridge, it. so so okay you. Now you have a huge amount of yeast. I mean that's, right. you know, you look at the bottom of that carboy, it's pretty thick mm-hmm. even in a 5 gallon batch. Right. How long is this going to be good for?
2: Well, ideally you want to use the yeast as soon as you possibly can. The the sooner you use it, the better off it's going to be. What happens to the yeast when they go into that stationary phase, they start consuming their reserves. Their uh, you know, their energy reserves are being consumed keeping themselves alive and steady and all that yeah there are um, carbohydrate
3: reserves glycogen and trehalose mhm
2: and uh that's going to uh eventually be depleted the yeast will start consuming themselves and uh you know you end up with just a kind of a rotting mess that smells like meat and and uh you know it's it, it gets pretty nasty and the bn studio right, right. <laughs> like 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 a bn crotch <laughs> Right. and uh Uh, So, you know, ideally you want to use that. Now, different strains of yeast are going to store better than others. Um, You know, as far as something like Cal Ale uh, or, you know, uh, O1056, it will um, uh, store pretty stable for for a a couple of weeks without a lot of uh, loss of viability. You get something like the wheat yeasts uh, tend to go south really fast is what i've discovered and i've heard uh, both uh, uh chris white from white labs and dave logston from why say that the lager yeasts uh don't store very well and that they they go south really fast but i've found that they are th- as good as the, the you know the cal ale and the others but i don't know if that's you know the way that i'm handling them or what but uh they they both seem very certain and i'd, I'd trust those guys as far as uh you know what they're saying about that.
4: So you swirled it off. You now put it in your Nalgene or plastic container. Now what if you don't have a Nalgene bottle or any other container? I mean, can I use my you know one liter water crystal geyser water bottle? Well, put a can. funnel or something.
2: Uh, you can use. I any, use glass any, any, jars. Well, and the, and the thing about glass is fine. You, you you don't want to seal those off to where they're going to pressurize and shatter the glass because right. there can still be a generation of gas gas. So. Uh, uh, you know, don't put a, a, a hard top on on a glass jar. Uh, you know, either leave it loose or you know, cover it with uh, foil or cling film and a rubber band, and right. uh, you know that'll be a, a good as well. The nice thing about um, uh, you know the plastics that I use and uh, glass is generally you can uh, sanitize those with heat. Uh,
3: yeah, I put I use mayonnaise jars. Put uh, half an inch of water in the bottom. And just loosely rest the cap on top, and stick it in the microwave for you know a couple minutes. Let the water boil in there. You know, heat sanitize the inside.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's that's a nice way to do it. Um, you know, some of the other plastics like the the water balls and stuff they're 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 not uh, stable under heat, so they'll okay. they'll melt on you. Yeah. So uh, it's nice if you can heat sanitize something because uh, it tends to be very effective and very uh, very cheap.
4: And it sounds like if you're going to be using this yeast more than once you introduce a little bacteria
2: something that's not sanitary and you could screw up the rest of your beer right well and uh, keep in mind this and this is one of the things about repitching yeast you know when every time you brew the the, the thing's not sterile Right there's there's you know your sanitization of the uh, you know the carboy or bucket or whatever you're using. There's any lines you're using to transfer. There's exposure to the air. I mean there's the air is just filled with dust. Even though you don't really see it, it's filled with dust and on those dust you know it's you know you have made up some of a lot degree of, of
3: contamination every yeah, time
2: every every time you brew. So just starting off. You got some contamination in there. Every time you repitch this yeast, now when you when you go and you start and you pitch this yeast into your next brew, you're pitching some bacteria or wild yeast, perhaps, in with the the good yeast. the The nice thing is you're pitching enough yeast that it should readily outcompete it. But again, you will have some increase. You're, you got another set of transfers. All this, you you end up building up your your contamination load, and it can be um, a problem. You need to be very careful if you're going to be doing this.
4: Now, what type of environment? I I've, I've had a chance to brew with Jamil before, and he, it's like you know, if his grass is wet, it's not zen enough, you know, or something. <laughs> the, the 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 environment is important. So, right. is there an environment to take this out of the the carboy, I mean, you're doing it outside, or you're doing it in the garage because you're transferring right. the yeast. This is when the contaminants can get in.
2: Good point. Uh, avoid wind. Wind and, uh, you know, if you can, uh, an open flame that will lift, uh, you work next to an open flame, it'll lift uh, all the stuff away and, and kind of give you a clear airspace around where you're working. And wind is probably the worst thing for brewing. I can brew in the rain. I can't brew in the wind. The wind, wind drives me nuts because you know it brings a lot of uh you know material from uh plants and stuff uh you know they travel on the wind and uh you know that's how it gets into your beer and and ruins things so you brew outdoors then I do <laughs>
4: <clears throat> trying to get him to brew indoors but he just won't do it no <laughs> so so okay so now I've got this you know giant slurry of yeast mm-hmm. in a container it's time to reuse it mm-hmm. we already know that uh it's going to last You know, maybe brew the next week. The first question is, how soon do I have to brew before I, you know,
2: can't use this anymore? Dying in the bottle. Well, generally, you know, within within the first week, you're okay. So if you if you harvest your yeast on uh, you know a Saturday or a Sunday, and then um, you know you decide you're going to brew the next Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that's fine. You don't even need to uh, you know add a starter or anything like that. You're just going to harvest the appropriate amount of yeast, pitch that in, and you're off off to the races. Of course, that's if what you're doing with your yeast in the first place is uh, you know healthy. You yeah, know, the yeast that you select, you want to have you know healthy uh, yeast has been properly you know treated. You don't want to you know get some. Uh, uh, package of yeast that expired two years ago and you're throwing it in this barley wine and, uh, you know, it seems like it's sort of fermented and then you're taking the yeast off of that and then it's, you know, it, it stinks because, uh, I don't know, it smells like, you know, a wet dog for some reason. You don't yeah. really know why. And then you're going to select this yeast and you're going to throw it into another batch of wort. Big mistake. If the yeah, select,
3: beer Selection of the yeast is a key point. You want to select the right yeast to repitch.
2: Well, primary. How do you do that? I well, mean, I don't have a microscope. Well, that, and if, if the if the beer you're you're harvesting from doesn't taste great, doesn't uh, you know? I mean, there may be recipe flaws, but if the if the fermentation wasn't perfect and wonderful, don't reuse the yeast. Yeah,
3: if it doesn't taste clean, yeah, don't take yep. a chance. Yeah, okay. that, Makes that's sense. a big mistake. And of course, and you, don't and don't repitch your trub. From the previous batch. Oh well, yeah. Easier said than done.
4: So I I mean, you know, if you don't have a conical, you're taking the the yeast and your trub and your hot matter. Let's say you previously brewed a pale ale. You got hops. You got hot break. You
2: got cold break. You got everything. How do you
4: separate that from the yeast?
2: Excellent question. And I know you know the answer to this, but. Good job setting me up with 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 the softball here. <laughs> well, actually, I really want to know this. I've, I've been having some issues with no. this myself. Well, and and it, it it's uh, it's actually pretty easy. It's just uh, you know people have questions as to you know what does it look like. You know, I think we need to do a our first video for uh, for people. And there's probably some videos out there on the internet or some some pages on it with photos on it. But essentially, you've got your container of yeast, right? And uh, what I like to do is uh, use a big enough container that uh, the yeast portion is maybe once it settles out is maybe you know a quarter or less of the container you know a third is kind of pushing it but a quarter or less so if I got a two liter container, I've got maybe five hundred mils of yeast solids at the bottom the the beer liquid may be you know higher at that point. What I do is um First off, I'll, I'll uh, uh, decant the, the beer off, of the, off the yeast, and then I'll put sterile water in. Uh-huh. And I'll take a, a volume of sterile water, usually about four times as much water as yeast, or three times, three to four times, depends on how much room, of course, you got in this container. You pour that in, shake it up. Shake it real good until all the clumps. Any if you're using, especially if you're using a real flocculent yeast like a, you know, an English ale yeast, will tend to be real clumpy. Oh yeah. You know, break that up real good, and then just set it down on the counter. And what you'll find is if, you, if you've used enough water to thin it out enough, what you'll find is within ten minutes, you'll see little black bits, the the brown huff and all that stuff will settle to the bottom, you know, bits of hops, uh, break material, and dead yeast cells are going to drop to the bottom of the container fairly quickly, uh, you know, first 10 minutes. And what you'll see is you'll have this little layer of dark crud on the bottom, and then you'll have this milky kind of white-looking stuff in suspension in the water above. That's the yeast that you're going to use. Okay. Okay? It's, it's, it's in that portion. Okay. The little crud on the bottom is the stuff you want to throw so, away.
4: So by adding the water, you've separated it because that's the right. denser, falls out. All right, I got a question. Now, This maybe I'm doing this all wrong. Uh, hopefully, you guys know the answer here. I take my yeast, and I've done this quite a few times, swirl around the carboy. I pour it into an Erlenmeyer flask because mm-hmm. that gives me a volume that graduated, and I can see 100, 200, 300 mils. But I just put a piece of tin foil over it, mm-hmm. put it in my fridge. Uh-huh. If I leave that exposed to the air, is there any issues I might have with repitching? e granted there's tinfoil on it. Critters aren't getting into it right, but is there air issues
3: potentially with that?
2: No yes well no yes uh <laughs>
3: um, oh shoot it depends on the amount of time right but uh when you when you have stored yeast um without uh nutrients in, in let's say in this case you you have uh a fermented out beer, a uh, little bit of beer that they're sitting in, or maybe you've added water, so it's a very thin medium. Um, You know, they're gonna they're gonna start working on their their reserves, the glycogen and triolose. If the more air exposure they have, the more oxygen they're exposed to, the more they'll use those reserves right. to try to synthesize sterols um, for the cell. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. And so. If it's so, it's a question of time right. and amount of air exposure that you let them have.
2: If, I if, mean, if you're if you're going to be brewing soon, it's actually not that bad a thing, right? To, to, to let it have the oxygen. But you know, if you're going to if you're going to be dragging this out a long time, uh, you want them to kind of go to sleep, not try to be synthesizing uh, sterols or anything like that that's going to use up their reserves more quickly. But they need to maintain their cell. Uh, membrane. membrane and uh, you know be able to control the influx and outflux of of you know across their membrane right. and that that takes energy.
4: So, so it sounds like if you have the ability, you might as well put it in an airtight container. Uh, it may may help the life of the yeast, but really it sounds like also you you should use it relatively quickly. Can you make the, a starter from this the, stuff though?
2: The, the sooner oh, yeah. the sooner you use it, the better. Okay. Now, if you're if you've gone past a week, let's say, and you're you know, let's say you're doing two weeks. At two yeah. weeks, I like to kind of wake up the, wort, uh, the the yeast with a little bit of wort, uh, you know, before I pitch it. So maybe uh, you know, four hours before it's going to be pitched, I will add some wort to the to the yeast and let it kind of get active before I pitch it. If you're going past two weeks. Uh, you definitely want to start making starters uh, past that, I think, just just as a general rule of thumb. Um, you can go longer than that, but really, ideally, you're going to use that yeast within a week or two.
4: Now, would you re-add any, like, diamonium phosphate DAP or Fermade K or something to, the, to that yeast, either when you store it or when you reuse it, or do you just make a standard starter if you're going to not pitch it directly?
2: Well, oh. um, I you can you can use uh, a bit of uh, uh nutrient yeast nutrient or, or in your in your starter wort when you're you know waking up the the uh, yeast okay or making a starter for all it. right all right so now I think
4: i I understand where you're going with this, but the difficult thing is how is any normal home brewer or professional brewer for that matter calculate the amount to repitch back in? Uh, uh, two is five or ten or whatever gallon batch.
2: Well, and that's tricky. I mean, the 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 way the only real way you can do it is um, uh, by measuring the amount of cells you have, and that is uh, you know y- y- with a microscope and a hemocytometer, or um, you can do it uh, with a mass spec. Sometimes that that will work, um, but you know. Most people don't have either of those available feel to like
4: them. Do you like the jelly beans in the mason jar? Just right. kind of guess how many. Exactly.
2: Well, and that's, that's part of it. Okay. So uh, a lot of people have, have seen a White Labs vial, right? Right. Okay. The amount of yeast in a White Labs vial is about 100, 120 billion cells. It fills about twenty five milliliters twenty seven milliliters of a thirty five milliliter vessel that the whole tube is thirty five milliliters and that it'll it'll fill about uh you know that much of the vessel. If you go on, uh, and, and I make no money off of this, so you know, <laughs> I only mention it to help people out, uh, www.mrmalti.com, there's a yeast pitching calculator there. And the yeast pitching calculator will work with um, repitching yeast. And so the only reason I mention the, the White Labs vials is that is pretty much pure yeast, very low um, non-yeast percentage, and um, it's tightly packed in that, that vial. I mean, it, it's it's real tight in there. If you go to the yeast pitching calculator and, and you the there's defaults there for non yeast percentage and uh, thickness of yeast. Right. If you move those to the extremes with the, the least amount of um, of uh, non yeast and the tightest pack, you'll find that the volume of yeast equals what's in that white labs. Vi- Solid right. portion there, chunky. So, so the the, the two exactly match. If you, uh, but if you just use the defaults, that tends to be what most people get when they think they got real thick yeast. Okay, so you've harvested your yeast out of the carboy, you've got it in your container, you put it in the fridge, and you wait. Uh, you know, the week. At the end of the week, the yeast at the bottom there. It's got probably the defaults of non-yeast and thickness. So right. don't, don't mess with the defaults. They're pretty close. Okay. Now, yeast cells change size based on their condition and the environment and everything that's that's happened to them. So they can be bigger or smaller depending on a lot of different factors. And uh, you know strains will even have a, an effect. You know, different strains, so it's an approximation, but it's it's pretty darn close. Now, what you you'll put in the beer that you uh, want to brew, and you put in your harvest date, and it'll tell you how much uh, yeast you need to you need to have. And let's say in this case, it'll be like a hundred mils, right? Right. Like that container next to you, Nick, that you brought in. Yeah. that's that's two liters. Nasty right? looking stuff. Yeah. Right. So. uh you know, half of that is a liter, and one-tenth of that would be 100 mils. You know, depending on the ca- the container you have. That's one other thing. The taller and narrower the container is when you add water and shake it up, the easier you're going to see the stratification of the bad stuff and the good stuff. Okay. Um, but, uh, so... What I like to do is look at the container and see how much yeast solids I have in there. So in our previous example, we were saying we had 500 mils of solids, right? Right. And we were going to add water to it. Right, right. So 500 mils, I know I need one-fifth of that amount. I decant all the beer off, okay? And I've got the 500 mils of solids. It's all slopped around on the sides now. I add my water, and I shake it up, and I let it start to settle. I need... One fifth of whatever volume that is, I need one-fifth of it, okay, after 10 minutes. You don't want to let it really settle out, but while it's still in solution like that, one-fifth. Okay. So if I've added, uh, um, you know, uh, a liter of water to my 500 mils of yeast and I've got 1,500 mils of liquid slurry. You still need one-fifth of that? I need one-fifth of that, 300 mils. There you go. Okay, so that tells you how much... How much to pitch? And you could just take that 300 mils, pour it into your beer, and you're you're good to go. See, you can let that yeast settle back out, or you can you know transfer. What I like to do with the re- remainder is transfer it to another sterile container. Leave that that uh, the dead cells and all the crud off the bottom. Leave that you, you know th- toss that away and go with with clean cells in the in the other.
4: That's why I like container. using a graduated cylinder or something. Uh-huh. Uh-huh for my slurry because you get an idea how much is in there right. and then you know, okay, if I swirl it up, I, I had, you mm-hmm. know, 250 mils or 500, a thick yeast slurry. Right. You can do the math from well, there. and
2: you could take a graduated cylinder yeah. and, uh, you know, mayonnaise jar like, like John's using and, uh, you know, just, you know, mark the jar, uh, you know, 50, 100 mils, 150, 200, and that that should give you a pretty good uh, idea of what, what you're doing. Now, uh you know uh mr dorman was asking about you know just oh why wouldn't you just toss you know everything into the into the next next beer easy well the problem is if you pitch too much yeast or too little yeast um, you know right off of that you're you're going to you're going to affect the flavor yeast need to to grow to develop the flavors that are in beer the the cleanest of beers have esters in them a lager does not is not lacking in esters it's just you know a different set you know more restraint but it's there if you got rid of that stuff it would it would taste horrible so you need the yeast to grow and develop those flavors in your beer so that's why one of the most important reasons for pitching the right amount you don't want to overpitch because you're going to you're going to impact those flavors you can actually uh, you know, decrease attenuation. And a lot of people say, "Well, you know, it's not attenuating enough. I'll just add more yeast. I add more yeast. I add more yeast. You know, I'll, I'll go with a really big pitch." You get to a certain point where it actually has a negative impact on attenuation. The yeast will not attenuate as much if you if you mm-hmm. get too much yeast in there. The other factor is um, that yeast cake uh, after fermentation. If you just toss another beer on there, a lot of those cells are already dying. Mm. Uh, you know there is material in there that's dead and dying. And do you really want to add that to your beer? Do you want to add dead yeast to your beer? Not necessarily. You don't the want best choice
4: cascade hops in your right. You know residue in your Munich Hellas you exactly.
2: Know? Okay. Well, and that brings up another point, which is. Um, you know, your sequence of, of repitching. Do you go, you know, you generally want to go from a, a, a lower gravity beer to a higher gravity beer, lower alcohol beer to a higher alcohol beer. You really you generally want to go from lower IBUs to higher IBUs. Or, you know, from uh, paler to darker. Why? Well, uh generally um just for flavor reasons. If you have a really hoppy or really bitter beer, the yeast will uh uh, get covered in the uh, resins from the hops. Uh, They'll absorb some of the flavors, and all that will travel onto your next beer. Same thing for color. Uh, if you have a high alcohol beer, uh, you know anytime yeast is over, the uh, alcohol is over five percent, um, it's very toxic to the yeast. They have a, a difficult time surviving in that environment. So, the yeast health is going to be lower. So there's just a lot of reasons why you would you would do that. Okay.
4: So, all right. You, you, now we kind of have an idea how to get the vo- right volume of yeast into the beer. You can do this again and again and again. Uh, how many times can you do it before it becomes maybe toxic? You picked up bacteria, something.
2: Well, it's going to depend on your process. How well you're treating the yeast, uh, things like that. And, you know how much contamination you've picked Sink, up along, along. to them, <laughs> right? Exactly. Stroke them, rub them. All right. Um, you know. Yeah.
3: Quality uh, in equals quality out.
2: And you know the the thing that um, uh, for me. You know, the first pitch is good. The second pitch is better. The third pitch is magical. Fourth and fifth are kind of along those lines. You know, by the sixth, um, I don't know. It it just depends on, you know, how clean your process is. Uh, You know, there are breweries that go many, many generations. I tend to cut it off around, you know, the fourth or the fifth or maybe the sixth uh, pitch. And usually by that time... I've run out of beer styles that I want to brew. Now, if you're brewing the same beer every week, uh, you know, you can easily go quite a bit longer. But, you know, creativity's sake for most homebrewers, um, you know, you kind of give up after you've done five batches on the same type of yeast. And one of the things to keep in, in, in mind is, you know, as these yeast pitches grow, you know, from one pitch to the next, you've got, you know several times the amount of yeast you need and you could use that for uh you know uh multiple uh types of beer and you know you can make uh, from one i usually split it into two and then you know you could be making four batches off that third pitch right or more
4: okay well seems to answer a lot of questions there uh, got a bunch more for you
2: <laughs> okay well let's do this let's take a break and when we come back we'll get into some more questions about repitching yeast. Sure.
1: your carboy cap on. This is Bruce Strong. will be
6: Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of their 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Their Williams German Pills is mashed with pure German Moravian two-row barley malt for a light blonde color and malty Christmas you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out their unique fermenters, draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and more. They even have their own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse their vast selection and enter promo code BREW at the order checkout for $5 off your next order over $50. Orders placed by 3 p.m. ship the same day. Again, go to williamsbrewing.com and enter promo code BREW at checkout for $5 off your next order. Brewing is easy the Williams way.
1: The Brewing Network brings together the winner of the Sam Adams Longshot competition and the most awarded home brewer in history to do battle in the next chapter of the Jamil Show. Can you brew it? Every episode, Jamil Zanishef and Mike McDole lay their reputations on the line to brew your favorite commercial beer and put their results to the test. Perfect match or perfect drain pour. Tune in for the recipes, techniques, and interviews with the pros that answer the question, can you brew it? The Jamil Show, Can You Brew It? airs every other Monday on the Brewing Network.
4: Nico, listen, our lawyers said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this
5: we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until the next meeting. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more
1: lines. I'm the professional. to Brew has never been so disgusting.
2: This is Brew Strong. You know, that's funny. I was just saying how uh, Chad gave me a boner.
3: What? <laughs> what? No, what, you know, what kind of I, bad I, advice did he give you? Yeah, I missed
0: that
2: part of the conversation. Palmer, did you hear any of that? <laughs> <laughs> because of this excellent uh, IPA that oh, he brewed. I could have told you that. I was, I was jonesing for some hops, because I've been drinking the uh, Moose Drool clone that we brewed for uh, Can You Brew It. Turned out excellent. I mean, it's like Moose Drool. And I've been knocking back like, you know, 40 ounces a night for the past uh, few weeks. And uh, so I'm kind of tired of a, a great malty beer. As great as it is, I've just really needed some hops. And so... Uh, and Justin said, well, you know, uh, Shat's got a, a good IPA there in the uh, in the chest freezer. It's it's really hoppy. I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, that's what that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> Poured that, took one whiff, and I'm like, uh, sporting wood. You know? <laughs> oh, I just <laughs> well, went back on my third
4: glass. It's good hops. stuff.
2: <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. That, that's a great beer. Dry hopped like a plenty. Is oh, it like a tasty clone, it. or what is it? Uh, it's a tasty clone
4: uh, slash, I don't know, my own version of an IPA. So it's... I just kicked up the Tasty, but I also crossed it with some ingredients from the 2 and a's mm-hmm. IPA. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just built up. Ooh, a, little, a, a little can yeah. in there.
2: It's a crossbread, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it was IPA. everything I needed, you know? I'll give you a big kiss later on. Okay. Right now we're talking about repitching yeast and how you do it, why you do it, you know what the, what the benefits are, drawbacks, uh, things like that. So so you you had another question for me there, well,
4: uh, Nick? Well, I got one for you. Uh, one of my favorite yeasts, if you can call it that, to use is is y yeast rose Lair blend, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and the, mm-hmm. you can't get that anywhere. I mean, you gotta right. like you know rape and pillage to get every, this stuff. every every April, every I, April. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. But for those of us who aren't the Pope and don't have a direct line to Y yeast. You You know, it's hard to get. So can we repitch our bacteria in in lambics or sour
2: beers, or is it possible? You know, you can. The common wisdom is that the balance is going to start to be off, where, you know, one organism or another is going to start to dominate, and the blend will be off, and it won't quite be the same. Now, what's interesting was, I've always believed this, and I still believe that to be true. However... Well, Will in these, in these, uh, in these uh, Flanders beers, if you take, uh, you know, a Flanders beer, you drink like a duchess, and uh, uh, you know, and then you get the, you leave the little dregs in the bottom of the bottle, fill it up with starter work, you know, put a, you know, piece of foil over it. And see what it tastes like when it when it's done. You'd be surprised at how close that 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 culture is. You know, developing the same kind of general flavor. I think you know you might actually get away with it. I I, I wouldn't you know I wouldn't guarantee it because I think you know the, the things are going to start to to um, diverge from the ideal. Right. But I was surprised at how close when I did a couple of these off of. Uh, you know my own home brewed uh bottled beer and like a duchess and some others how it actually did pretty good at least you know, and this is like maybe you know second generation right I don't know how it would've done third, fourth, fifth generation, but I think you might be able to get away with it the uh you know one extra You're time
4: s- squeezing your sponge in your beer at that point in right, time right I think. Yeah. so so it can be done, but it's maybe not something that you know you'd try. More often than not, well, it's kind of, a yeah. wild card. But those kind of beers, anyway, though, really, right, I mean, you know, right. could turn out any.
2: But you know, a, a lot of this, this, these, uh, you know, these Flanders uh, types of beers and you know Lambics and, and such, uh, you know, th- this is done in these barrels, right? And, right. You know, the the organisms have inoculated the barrel, and they you know keep filling these barrels. Yeah, to kind of develops off. Mention of that. that. Um, so y- there's could- some history for that working. Yeah.
3: You but you could also you mm-hmm. could also start the beer on a normal beer yeast, and then use the uh, repitched Rosalee blend to kind of finish it. Oh, okay, sure, sure. And I think
4: uh, I, I know that at least in brewing classic styles, you guys talk about some extra specialty malts you'll add there, so that that secondary pitch can ferment those normally unfermentable things for those type of beers. So, mm-hmm. but again, repitching. It could potentially be done with those. So, but if you're 99% of beers, most people aren't brewing sour beers. You know, it's either Cal Ale or you know English Ale or mm-hmm. whatever they're pitching. Is the flocculation gonna affect your repitch? Because I'm looking at you know I look at a slurry of uh, White Labs O2 and it is like packed tight. That's mm-hmm. a really flocking at least yeast. And then I look at O1 out of the same, you know, 5-gallon carboy and it looks like I have 3 times as much yeast in there. So, you got to know your yeast when you're going to repitch it, right?
2: Yeah, but you know, even even the uh the English ale yeast and uh, Cal yeast from from White Labs. Now, one is more flocculent than the other, and, and tends to you know the English tends to form like a cheese almost. I mean, it's it's right. or almost like a tofu, Looks
4: curdled if you look at me, if yeah. you ask me, almost
2: like a like a tofu. tofu. It's kind of that kind of consistency, right? Right. But um, you know, even tofu has like you know a lot of liquid and space in it, and it's kind of more spongy than it is a solid mass. So right. it, it it can pack tight, but. I still think uh you know you're you're pretty close on that. I think you know the the repitching is is uh about right now. One of the things you want to do is that I have always advocated is learning your yeast. So uh it's nice one of the advantages of repitching is that uh you know you you get to learn uh, how a yeast behaves and you can use the same yeast uh you know five times in a row. Uh, you know, in five different recipes, or even in the same recipe, and you kind of get a sense of how it behaves at different temperatures, different gravities, work gravities, things like that. Will really, uh, you know, give you quite an education on on the flavors that a yeast can develop, and you can try different things. and And uh, you know, the more you use that yeast under different conditions, the more you learn about it and you, you, what right. to expect. and And you get that sense memory, and you say, well, you know, at this temperature and this kind of strength beer, I should really be tasting this but it it tastes different ah maybe there's something wrong with my yeast and then you you can uh, you know take action
4: I was talking to Shat earlier and he said that he was going to be brewing one of any beers kind of a clone right weren't you going to be brewing um no (laughs) <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I apparently uh, wasn't I'm paying not, attention. Not. Uh, uh, the, okay, so if you're brewing a Belgian beer, then... Uh, I swear you said you're brewing like a oh, Damnation or uh, one of those. Oh, yeah. Th- I have a Temptation and Secondary right now. Okay, okay. He's bre- temptation clone. He's brewed it. Okay. Sorry, yeah. So you're brewing these Belgian beers, and one of the things that people like to do with Belgians is ferment them a little bit more hot, right? Uh-huh. Uh, maybe kind of get those you know b- proprietary esters and flavors. Can I repitch? the yeast that is fermented hot, is that going to do something bad to my yeast maybe, you know, or can I continue to use those?
2: You can, uh, you know, generally, uh, high temperatures don't have too negative an effect on, you know, within the realm of fermentation temperatures, high temps really don't have that negative an impact. So you're okay. I mean, high alcohols, uh, and high IBUs tend to have more of an impact. That's one of the things, uh, that I think is lost on people. They, um, and you find people putting uh, hops in their starters, which you, you really shouldn't do. Uh, they go, "Oh no, it keeps it sanitary." Well, the whole mechanism by which hops improve, uh, you know, the sanitary aspect of a wort is that you know the hop resins will coat um, uh, the uh, you know the bacteria cells. It'll coat all the cells in there. That's yeast cells too, uh, and you know. So, uh, you know, it's not so good for the viability of the, the cells. It, it stops the cells from replicating. So right. the, the bacteria and your yeast, it'll impact the, your yeast's ability to uh, to replicate and, and and ferment the beer. Um, and uh, it's also uh, an important reason why, you know, the amount that you pitch, as far as the amount of, you know, people who go, oh, no, I don't need to worry about this pitching rate, Uh yeah, uh, just need uh, you know I can pitch the whole thing. You know, well if you like hoppy beers or bitter beers, and you pitch a lot of yeast, uh, you know it tends to take a lot of the uh, the, the bitterness uh, out of the beer as well. So it tends to you know the more surface area you have, the more you know uh, hot bitterness is going to be impacted.
4: All right, so if you're one beer that's going to win you the Ninkasi Award AHA Championship, here it comes down to this beer. If you could repitch your yeast to do this, or if you could use a bunch oh, yeah. of beer made from a you know yeast from a fresh vial, what would you choose to do?
2: For me, it's repitched. Okay, repitched. So yeast. you're that big.
4: You're that serious about repitching. Yeah. This yeah. is that key to brewing. You know, award winning yeah, beer.
2: You can make some great beer off of repitch yeast. And again, you know, go to go to any you know uh, brewery, you know, commercial brewery that really knows their stuff, and the brewer who really knows what's going on, and and is making killer beer. And they'll tell you, oh, yeah, it's it's not until we're a couple generations in that things really seem to settle down and do right. right." Now, the reason they restart is um, you don't want your yeast to mutate too far. Right. You don't want to, you know, maybe you've messed up on, you know, the selection and your flocculation's changing and attenuation's changing. Maybe you're picking up a little bit too much bacteria, things like that. Um, you know that's one of the reasons why you re- you go to the trouble of restarting right, okay, that
4: make, makes a lot of sense actually, you know not to throw any brewers under the bus but uh, I found that if you're friendly with your local brew pub they'll sometimes just give you a little pull of yeast right off the bottom of their conical mm-hmm. fermenter makes it so much <laughs> easier
2: yeah, you know the times I've done that um, I've found that quality wasn't so great
4: Depends on where you're going, I guess. Uh, yeah,
2: you know, now some of them, I imagine, I could get some great use from. Them, but uh, you know, I, the the times I did, I was not pleased with the um, level of bacteria in it, and um, you know, just overall health. I was, I was kind of, uh, you know, I, I, a little bit surprised. I
4: can imagine part of that relating it to the homebrew world is that. These brewers' beer are being consumed very fast, relatively speaking.
2: Especially, well, it depends. Brew pubs, let's some, say, some, some pubs, pubs, yeah, yeah.
4: You know, but but for the average home brewer who may maybe sitting, you know, doesn't apply in the brewing network as a beer. This IPA is going to be empty, by the way, by the time the show's done. But the, you know, you're storing your beers, and Jamil's known for sometimes five or six years. So your sanitation is has to be key, uh-huh. right?
2: Well, I would say, you know, a, a packaging brewery. They generally, you know, if they're not pasteurizing, they, they really need to have, you know, good, you know, sanitation and uh, good quality that way. Right. And so, that, you know, that tends to be cleaner. You know, if you can just transfer, you know, cold to cold and store cold and, uh, you know, serve it pretty quick. Right. Uh, you know, like most pubs do, then... And that's not to say that pubs don't. some pubs don't have, you know, great sanitation and... You can get great yeast from them. I'm, I'm sure that's the case. Probably more times than not. But I, I was just surprised at the number that didn't meet that standard.
4: Does it matter whether you start with liquid or dry yeast? Can you you repitch either?
2: You can repitch either. Um, you know, things happen to dry yeast where um, you know flocculation changes and sulfur production changes and things like that. But um, you know, dry yeast is just so cheap. That uh a lot of times it, it it really doesn't make sense, but you you can you can right. repitch any yeast yeah
4: yeah, it just depends on what you have on hand
2: so going back to the uh, commercial yeast,
4: basically, why do you think it's such a bad sample or, or the quality's not there would you rather top crop I mean is that a better you know sample of the healthy yeast versus uh, getting the bottom of the
2: plug right top top cropping is definitely uh, you know healthier yeast you know you're gonna get your healthiest yeast that way and and it's a good way to go, but, um, you know the you know the number of commercial breweries where you can do that is probably slim and none. I mean, right. you, you go down to Anchor and ask them if you can whip right. your bucket across <laughs> their uh, their their flat square fermenters and for right. a little uh, Anchor Steam yeast, uh, they probably say no. But uh, but as home brewers, I mean. Right, because that you can break into Anchor Brewing and whip the bucket across. Now nobody do that because then I'm going to get in trouble. And people at Anchor won't let me in anymore. Um, yeah, you know as a homebrewer, especially your own. Yeah, and I think that what Chad's getting to is uh, if you have a bucket or uh, you know a conical fermenter or something like that, you can lift the lid and you can you can go ahead and harvest that way. I know uh, Tasty does that and uh, w- with good success.
4: And I just want to clarify earlier, and I've heard you use this term in the uh, Jamil show probably four or five times, you washing your yeast or cleansing your yeast or whatever mm-hmm. the term <laughs> is. <laughs> and uh, uh, I think Justin had mentioned uh, during break that the chat had brought this up is, you know, what is the difference? I mean, exactly washing your yeast. You said you used distilled water and again, that or not distilled water, you use water, cl- sterile water, right? Mm-hmm. Sterile. And that helps not distilled. helps separate the trube and other junk that's in there from the actual slurry right. of
2: yeast, right? Right. So what was that process again? You just... Add water and shake. Add water and shake. I know, it's complex. Um, well, and there's, you know, the, the question that comes up all the time is kind of, uh, you know, we talk about, you know, washing your yeast or cleaning your yeast, uh, rinsing your yeast. Technically, you know, yeast washing has, has um, I, I think, you know, the... That term belongs to acidifying the 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 water and the yeast, and you take it down to a very low pH, which essentially stuns and the bacteria, and uh, is a method of cleaning up a a pitch of yeast that may have a, a too high a bacteria count. Right. Okay. Uh, rinsing yeast is really what we're talking about. Just adding some water, giving it a quick rinse to to kind of let you know thinning it out enough so that the dead and and other crud just falls to the bottom. That's rinsing, and mm-hmm. let's say washing is you know with is, you know a, a, a treatment of the yeast to reduce the bacteria count.
4: Okay, I was on a forum when I first started homebrewing. It probably beer pal. Justin, but <laughs> whatever form. And somebody said, oh, you take Budweiser and you just pour that in and that'll, that'll be clean enough to, to wash your yeast. It's beer. Would you do that? Can you do that?
2: Um, it's
4: probably the only good use for
2: Budweiser. Right. Well, one of the, and you know, I had a friend who uh, was a big advocate of that and um, he was saying, well, you know, the carbonation helps uh, kind of, you know, scrub and separate the materials and so I, I, I've tried that in the past, and uh, I don't know. I think sterile water works just as well, yeah, and right. it's far cheaper.
3: Yeah, saving so less, can, if not
2: better, because you don't get all that foaming. Yeah, yeah.
3: I, I usually have to wash my yeast um, two or three times before I get the quality of slurry from the batch that I want to store. Um, very often when I'm You got dirty you know, slurries, John. Yeah. Well yeah, I mean, you know, the I've you got dirty, a lot of hop matter in the boy. bottom of the carboy and uh or the bucket and uh unless I mean when I'm using buckets then I'll decant the beer off, you know, and rack it to the car to the um keg. And then I've I can easily take a sanitized spoon, like a big steel spoon, and dip out my slurry. You know, and, and keep keep the spoon off the bottom where the where all the trub is. And I can get a nice white uh, yeast, you know, for kind of the from the middle on top of the yeast cake there uh, in the primary fermenter.
2: You need yourself you a whirlpool chiller is what you need. Yeah, I'm telling you, leave all that that break material and I, uh, behind. I do
3: that, but I also use, you know, <laughs> I also use other methods. Well, if you not um, and I mean, I'm kind of speaking raffle. in general, you know, yeah. we have a lot of different brewers out there. Uh, if you're using a carboy, you yeah, may we don't.
4: End up Everybody
2: brews like us, John. Yeah.
3: Come on
4: now. We all brew on rims. What do you have a rim system, right?
3: Yeah. Outer rims. Yes. Outer rims. Okay. Um yeah, but you know if you use the carboy, you know, I'll I'll again, you know, decant off most of the beer, I have a little bit left. I'll kind of swirl it up. I don't shake the whole thing up because I don't want all the trouble, but I'll get a, you know a, a yeast suspension going. I'll pour that in the, into a jar. Let it settle, and very often, you know, the uh, the the color of the yeast would be kind of a oh off white. Uh, you know, like a cream. Yeah, it just it's right, and it can and depending on how much trouble I got in, I'll, I'll look at that and say, okay, I want to resuspend and and pour and leave the you know leave some trub in the jar and pour it off into another sterile jar, like Jamil said, and you know get a cleaner. Uh, yeast pitch, okay, and you and you do that with boiled water or sterile water, you know, without doesn't have air in it, because again you're trying to protect those uh, those res- those glycogen and trilose reserves in your yeast. No, no, I I got
4: a question for you here. You know, you're planning on brewing the week after, okay, hmm. and you, you know you're going to save your yeast. You you work hard to harvest it. It doesn't happen. And, it, and and you, be all right. you don't brew, it'd be all right, yeah. To what mm-hmm. point is the question? Because that just happened to me. The last two times I've harvested my yeast, I've gone three right. months thinking I was going to brew this yeah, beer with the months, same yeast. You're,
2: you're probably pushing it. Um, you know, if if you're you – know, okay, so here's, here's the thing that, you know, people freak out about on uh, this whole secondary idea and uh, – they're like, Well the yeast is gonna die and then um, you know, it's it's gonna make this horrible stench in my beer and you know, I'm gonna, gonna be meaty and all this stuff. It's like look, look if the yeast was gonna die that fast, you know, White Labs and Y <laughs> Yeast wouldn't be able to sell a product. Right. Right. They wouldn't be able to ship it to you, you know, to your door quick enough for you to be able to use it. Right it 's good and stable for quite a period of time now, yes, viability drops, and if you have uh, bacteria one of the reasons that why yeast and white labs can sell the product is one they put a lot of uh, thought into maximizing the uh, reserves the energy reserves that the yeast right. has when it goes in the package, and they put a lot of effort into making sure there 's no bacteria in there right. If you've got bacteria mixed in with your yeast and the yeast starts to die, the bacteria start to grow, things like that. This is one of the reasons you want to store your yeast as cold as possible. You want to get it definitely below 40, okay? Uh, you don't want to freeze any of your cells, so you, you tend to be you know 32 or above. If you're storing it in, in beer, sterile beer... Um, the alcohol in there will, will help a little bit against freezing, but again, right. you, you really don't want to drop below thirty-two, so Fahrenheit zero C uh, or you know forty Fahrenheit.
4: Okay, Chef, did you repitch with this IPA? No, this is like the tastiest. I mean, it's really good. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pretty happy okay. with it. Yeah, that's an excellent beer.
1: Yeah.
4: So, how about as far as going up in temp? I mean, how high can you go if you're just storing? Just store it on your store, counter. can not that, Right? I mean, Wouldn't want to do that.
2: Right. Well, you know, if 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 you're getting ready to brew that day, that's fine. But um, several y- weeks. Yeah, you, you don't want to do that. The, the warmer it is, the more they're going to use up their their energy reserves. So now, uh,
3: use color as your indicator too. If the if you've stored yeast in the fridge for you know a couple three weeks a month two months um, as that yeast starts to turn brown, you know. Towards the color of peanut butter, pink, pink uh, you're, getting, brown. you're brown. getting more, um, you know, yeast dying off, and you're definitely going to want to uh, pitch to a starter, and probably maybe separate out again. Make sure you've got good white, healthy yeast cells going into your beer. And you can, you can
2: smell it too. And here's yes. another: show. if you're storing with the beer, which I like to do, um, you know, as long as it wasn't too high in alcohol, beer, uh, you can pour a little bit of that beer out into a glass taste it that's gross and that it's the same beer you put in the keg uh, i right? guess i don't know Not, some, Nothing wrong with some, it. Some, something i you, got you, about you this you put the beer into the keg and if nothing's happened to your yeast it should be the same beer yeah true right that's true if it tastes bad then your yeast has probably gone a little too far south right? all right so let's let's take another break and when we come back we'll get to uh the the questions in the chat room back after this
1: Art. Brew Strong. This is Brew Strong.
7: The pathetic look on the face of the Brewcaster poster boy—that's the look of a child that survives on ramen noodles and home brew. Subprime meltdown doesn't even begin to describe what this kid has been through. He lives this grim existence for his army, the Brewing Network Army. Times are tough for everybody. It's like getting stuck in time two days before payday. Cash is tighter than a posted IOU stuck in a stripper's sweaty g-string. The unicorn's horn is limp, and the rainbow has lost its color. But you can help change all that. If you were to take that sparkling change in your pocket and plop it on the table for the BN instead of that extra pint at happy hour, then the world could be a brighter place. When you buy a round for the BN, you buy a round for yourself and your fellow soldiers. And that's what it's all about. That and being entered into the reoccurring donor monthly raffle. So step up and start your own economic stimulus package. For just a few bucks a month, you can stimulate the unicorn, the rainbow, and a brewcaster. Hit that donate button just like you'd hit on that crazy bitch at the bar right after last call. You'll be really happy about it in the morning.
5: Hey, Push, the new brewery's looking good. Thanks, Finn. Piece by piece. Well, let's fire her up. Whoa! Is that a new kettle? Yeah, just got it brand new, but paid half price. What? And that blade scale? 40% off. Uh, The new tap handle? Five bucks instead of 13 Got a new regulator for the brew stand too, but five bucks instead of 25. Dude, where are you stealing all
1: this stuff from?
5: Where else? The more beer deal of the day.
1: Announcing the Beer, Beer, and More Beer deal of the day. Every day, a new fantastic deal from big items to small that will blow you away. Boil kettles, carboy carriers, sterile siphon starters, digital timers. Watch morebeer.com every day for a new deal, and you just might find the item you've been waiting for at a price you cannot believe. Hurry, because stock is limited on most items. And that sweet Guinness cap, let me guess. The More More Beer beer deal deal of the day. day. Yeah, I knew it. Come
5: on, let's brew something. Find the More Beer Deal of the Day at morebeer.com. Celebrity voices impersonated. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their
1: strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Uh... Leather. White Labs. It's all in the vial. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong.
2: All right, we're back. We're talking uh, repitching yeast why you do it, and all that good stuff. Oh, yeah. And uh, one of the, the benefits of supporting Brewing Network is these shows are done live. This isn't just podcasting. This is this is radio. And uh, uh, if you're listening live, you can go to the com. There's a button to, to, to listen live and to chat with other listeners uh, during the show. And you actually get a chance to ask questions. Or you know, feedback. Justin's on the uh, on the on the chat during the the show, and he can uh, kind of monitor what's going on. Uh, and uh, that's the segment of the show we're into now. Justin, you got some uh, questions from the chat room on repitching East?
0: I do, as you suspected, Jay Z. It's a popular topic. A lot of people want to know about East repitching. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start with some of the things. Some of these things are going to be recaps of what you guys talked about, but people were still asking late in the show, so that's for some clarification. So uh, lots of questions about washing yeast. Mm-hmm. So I'll put it to you in two parts. Uh, the first was, do we really need to do this uh, to wash our yeast? And the second is, if so, how?
2: Okay. So... Again if we're talking washing would be you know acidifying your water and uh, you know using that to you know get the the entire pH down below a certain point that it stuns the bacteria and uh, the yeast uh, you know you've cleaned up your your pitch of yeast the problem with that is uh, it also negatively impacts the yeast and generally if you've gotten to the point where um, you are you, worried about contamination, bacteria in your yeast. Start over. Get yourself a fresh pitch. Um, you know, go go buy yourself another White Labs vial or a, a YE Smack Pack, and and start again. That's much better than you know messing around with a pitchy yeast that's questionable, and uh, messing up a uh, you know uh, a, a big batch of uh, wort that uh, you paid thirty dollars for. So, uh, right. I would I would uh, tend to avoid that. Now, rinsing yeast where you just add some sterile water, shake it up, and you know, in ten minutes the crud drops to the bottom and you you decant off. Um, you know that definitely you want to do.
4: I think we have got to clarify one thing on that too. Is that if you get a little tube, you get some of the other junk in your next pitch. It's not the end of the world. You don't yeah, want to dump the whole thing. If you get a little bit, it's not it's not a huge deal. I mean, it's not this meticulous process it's well maybe yours
2: isn't meticulous well by yeah you know.
4: exactly <laughs> that's why my beers last about a week
2: <laughs> yeah you know it certainly helps but like nick's saying it's it's definitely not the end of the world it's uh you know it's okay you you want to kind of uh you know reduce the load uh as much as possible so not quite as big a load All Right. Smaller loads. Always big load with me.
0: And then a follow-up to that is, uh, does boiling and cooling tap water make that water sterile enough to use for this washing process?
2: Well, sterile enough. It does not make the water sterile. Uh, It sanitizes the water, but it's not sterile at that point. Um, is it sanitized enough to use uh, for this process? Yes. Okay. I wouldn't worry about it once you, it's boiled and cooled.
4: Not yeah. boiled for one minute, but get let it go for you know four or five minutes, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's fine. You're just not going to kill you know the uh, any um, insisted uh, you no know, spores and anything that uh, forms a cyst tends to you know be more resistant to heat. So uh, those types of things, yeah. but uh, you'd be okay. I, I wouldn't worry about it.
0: Okay. Uh, here's a question for you. Uh, listener wanted to find out if Jamil ever reused a slurry from a high-gravity beer for a smaller-gravity beer, and if the yeast then really goes out of whack from fermenting that large beer. Uh, this person says he's used 8% plus beers um, slurries to brew milds mm-hmm. afterwards. So what's your experience with that?
2: I have... Um and yeah, it's maybe like a you know nine ten percent barley wine, and down to you know I I I just you know I, I tend to save all the yeast, and I have them in containers. You know I have plenty of sterile containers, and so I, I'll I'll harvest the yeast, and a lot of times unless I'm just very you know so, sometimes I don't know why but I'll, I'll save it and I'll, I'll go from uh, from that to the next batch. And uh, I've used it in a smaller um, uh, beer, and while I, while I won't say it turned out bad, I, I will say it turned out different, and it didn't turn out as good as it could have been on those smaller beers, so... I noticed a difference, and uh, you know, keep in mind, any time that um, you have a, a, a higher alcohol, anything past five percent, you know, the higher the alcohol, the more the yeast struggle to keep that alcohol outside of their cells. Alcohol is toxic to yeast; that's why they excrete it. It's it's like if you were swimming in a bathtub of your own pee. All right, like the, last night, right? yeah, like most nights around here. Mm-hmm. And the, the 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 thicker that pee, the you know, the the more intense it is on you trying to keep it out of your mouth and out of your eyes and all that. And oh. you're struggling against it. That's well, a good part. Well, that that you know, that's essentially what's happening to the East, and they really struggle against that. So um you know the yeast tend to be not in such a great shape. I guess you know if you if you go ahead and uh you know take a, a portion of that yeast to make a starter and grow it up under good conditions uh, yeah you could you could reuse that yeast without trouble, but you know going straight from um you know a high gravity beer to or you know high i b u beer to a low one uh, yeah you tend to i think uh you you want to step in between there
0: okay. All right, another question about, uh, I guess, vessels uh, that you're using when you're maybe storing this. Uh, someone wanted to know, do you need to autoclave your Nalgene? What's a Nalgene bottle? Want to That's. Oh, I see. Uh, explain right, they, that to the listeners. Yeah, I brought one in here we can poly, describe.
2: Polypropylene, <laughs> I think. Polypropylene bottles, um, kind of uh, slightly opaque, uh, bottles with a screw top on them. Okay. Uh, Nalgene is a manufacturer, and I've, I've just always uh, known them as Nalgene. You can actually
4: Google Nalgene, and I think labsafetysupply.com, LSS.com, has Nalgene brand okay. bottles on
0: them. So it's lab-grade containers. Right, Auto, right? autoclavable. Okay. Yeah. okay, so the question then is, do you need to autoclave your Nalgene bottle, or can you just sanitize it with StarSan?
2: Uh, you can sanitize it with StarSan. Um, you know the you know the the more sanitary something is, the higher your kill level, the um, you know the the less contamination you're carrying forward. And star sand's probably fine, um, but you know you could fill that thing with boiling water and it, it won't melt. So you could submerge it in boiling water and boil it for 15 minutes and get the whole thing to 212. Uh, I guarantee you that at that point, you're not going to have any problems with it for, sure, for certain. And mm-hmm. if you can sterilize it at 250, um, you know it's truly sterile. And you're not going to have any mold or spores or, you know, uh, anything untowed uh, growing in that thing. <clears throat> <clears throat>
0: All right, a little recap here. You know, a big question on everybody's mind is, you know, how long this yeast can sit uh, in the refrigerator uh, is commonly what people are asking before being able to repitch it.
2: Well, again, it depends on the strain of yeast, and it depends on the initial health of the yeast uh, when it was harvested and what you're storing it in. If you're if you have harvested yeast from a high gravity beer, uh, the yeast is pretty stressed at the end of that. And if you're trying to store it in ten percent alcohol, that's kind of a mistake. You should probably go ahead and rinse it and uh, you know store it in something else uh, you know there's a good use for like a budweiser you know right you know, store it in in that if you want or you can know, store it in sterile water uh, my pers- That's
4: fine My personal experience has been if it's a high gravity beer that your yeast is not going to last long at all if it's coming right. from a high gravity lower right. gravity mm-hmm. If I make a starter, mm-hmm. uh, if it's within two or three months, and I can make a starter, right. probably not too worried about bacterial right. contamination. So. Well,
2: you know, it'll last longer if it's coming from a low gravity beer. The yeast tend to be in better shape, and uh, you know, you could you could leave that pitchy yeast in the fridge for you know several weeks, and you're probably okay. If it's coming from a high gravity beer, you know, the reserves are not quite the same. Uh, you know, the yeast, again, struggles against um, keeping the alcohol out and burns Death. its reserves along along those lines. And, um, you know, within a week, you'd, you want to make sure you're reusing that.
0: All right, here's a borderline on-topic question that we'll squeeze in uh, for our BN-tattooed brother, Henning, who wants to know. He says, hey, I had a really old vial of Belgian yeast, and I put it in a small starter. Do I need to worry about getting it off the trube? and old yeast or can i just step it up and not worry about it
2: uh you know you can step it up at some point you want to uh discard any dead cells um especially and uh any break material is you know um again i think it's nice to discard that you know the bigger chunks okay so uh and you know, if you can uh, do that and you can do it by the same method that we're talking about here, which is um, you know if, if you tend to have a lot of brake material in there and a lot of uh, uh, trube, uh you know rinse it with some sterile water, you know let the crud fall to the bottom and you know use the the, the good stuff that's uh, floating around up top. okay.
0: And that's it from the chat room. I just do want to inter- uh, reiterate to what Jay-Z was talking about earlier about the live program. If you want a more interactive experience and be able to hang out with uh, some of your brewing brothers and sisters, do hit the chat now button on the homepage when we're live. There's a lot of people in there tonight, and uh, not just talking about beer, but also having a good time. But for example, when we were talking about Nalgene bottles, uh, one of our listeners was already posting the website that they can go check it out. So it's very interactive, and if you're just looking for a little more beer geekiness and in your life, uh, hit the chat now button on our page when we're live, because it's always very cool in there, and good people asking solid questions. There you go, Jay-Z. It's all yours.
2: That's what I need, more beer geekiness in my life. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm, sure you're, I'm sure everybody's family agrees. it <laughs> wasn't, wasn't quite maximized enough as it is. Here, yeah. I need to listen yeah. to uh, Bruce Strong live so I can ask some questions.
0: Of- I'd love to hear pa- uh, Palmer's uh, wife's reaction to him needing more beer geekiness oh. in his life, too. Palmer.
3: <laughs> Palmer. <laughs> yep, it's... <laughs> that's what that's what makes families great <laughs> <laughs>
0: that, that they put up with you yeah
2: yeah until yeah. yeah. they till they shoot you in your sleep yeah, yeah it's great right. It has great. happened before yeah all right. All right, so uh, we've covered uh, repitching yeast, and you know why you'd want to. Do it. Well, what it is, it's uh, you know reusing the yeast from from uh, from a batch, and uh, you know you, you grow a lot more yeast. You know why you do it, not only just for cost savings, but because you can get uh, uh, a proper amount of yeast uh, into your next batch, and uh, you know the, the yeast seem to you know kind of sync up with your brewing uh, you know environment, and you know the later pitch. Of yeast just seem so much better. I don't know how to exp- explain it better than that. I'm sure somebody like Chris White could kind of <laughs> give us some uh, some uh, doctoral thesis on why that that might be. Um, and uh, you know the things you want to do. You want to you want to you know uh, select the right type of yeast, not uh, the very early flocculator, not the very late flocculator. Uh, you want to uh, rinse it with some sterile water uh, to uh, or at least some highly sanitized water through boiling and uh, you know get that get rid of uh, any break material and dead cells if you can and uh, then you also want to pay attention to how much yeast you're pitching yeah, use the yeast pitching rate calculator and figure out uh, kind of the volume of yeast you need and uh, you know you go from there maybe you need a little bit more maybe you need a little bit less it just depends on your your kind of environment and how things go, and uh, uh, that should uh, get you some pretty good beer. And 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 if I was to to make a award-winning beer, I, I like the repitched yeast. It makes a big difference for me. Um, you know those those beers always tend to do better. They tend to tend to be right. good. Of course, you got to worry about uh, you know making sure everything's sanitary. And if there's any doubt at all about the beer that the yeast came from, then you don't want to reuse that yeast. Excellent. And I'd like to put a special thanks out to uh, uh, Beer Beer and More Beer. Uh, morebeer.com. They uh, have been the sponsor, and they're giving us uh, you know all these great uh, goodies to give away. If you get a chance, uh, you know sign up to uh, donate to the, the BN, and every month you'll be entered in uh, these giveaways, uh, two bucks a month. And uh, it helps uh, support programming like this, and it helps support the show we got up next. If you're listening live, you're going to come up on uh, a show about DMS. Oh, yeah. And DMS is not like a... Uh, a rap group, DMS is uh, <laughs> Rough Riders <laughs> a, brew, <laughs> uh, a brewing related uh, term, yep. and uh, dimethyl
3: sulfide.
2: D- John's got a lot of oh. lot of lot of data on that, and I'm just gonna sit back and let my throat rest. Right, and uh, I think uh, I think we're gonna have a great show.
0: Palmer's gonna get his geek on, DMS happens. <laughs> and I'm not getting
4: right. Jameel's yeah. throat any rest in this next few minutes here.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. don't, not not so deep. The next time. privacy in the studio, please, Palmer. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh, why I put up with this, I don't know, but uh, I enjoy it for some some odd reason. Uh, I think it's great stuff. So, uh, thank you very much for for joining us on this yeast re- repitching exercise. And uh, Bruce Strong, Bruce Strong, Bruce Strong,
3: everybody.